Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, no one wants to listen to you, even you. We talked to Chelsea Nina Erson about her podcast, Dear Young Rocker. Plus, Biz notices something different. Woo! <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, that wasn't the greatest, Will. Um, I'm doing okay. I am eating lunch in my car because I am a healthcare worker who sees patients, and um, my children are quarantined because they had a positive exposure at their daycare, but I don't have to be quarantined, and I have to work until I get sick. So, um, but that was my instruction was to just come to work and don't eat lunch around your coworkers, which is, we're not, you know, obviously supposed to be distanced and whatnot anyway, but to play it safe, I am eating in my car. It's the last nice day in the Midwest, so that's good. Hopefully the next couple weeks will allow for car eating um, that isn't so miserably cold or, yeah. Yeah, I can't keep a straight thought today, apparently. I think my kids are going to be fine. I'm not that worried about getting sick because of this particular instance, but things are just not where I live right now. And uh, we saw this coming, and we put in the hard work early when things weren't nuts. And now we obviously still do the hard work, but it's like it was all for nothing because it's it's truly out of control. Things are very, very, very bad here right now. Anywho, that's how I am. Biz, how are you? Thank you so much for asking. But before I answer how I am, I have to tell you what an incredibly good job you are doing. And I, (laughs) I, there are many things about this that I thought were incredibly, like, spot on. I I love that you're eating in your car out of respect for, you know, uh, the rules and the virus. But I also, I could eat in my car all the time. To be perfectly honest, there's lots of times I'm just like, I would like to go and sit quietly in my car. I am sorry that the kids were exposed. And I also, wow, the mantra for how many people right now is, I just have to work until I get sick. (laughs) So can I say how much I appreciate you? especially as an essential worker? That's, I really appreciate you. And... It, I think that's something that's kind of overlooked, that so many places did put in a lot of hard work to prepare for the potential for a larger outbreak in their area. And like you said, even if you prepare a ton, it still could not be enough in a lot of cases, which can be disheartening. But I am just going to say thank you for everything that you're doing. And I really appreciate you checking in. Call me back from the car. Hopefully when hopefully you guys get a reprieve and it's not going to be fucking freezing cold for like ever right away. I also want to say thank you to all of our essential workers. 
want to say thank you to nurses and doctors and RNs and EMTs and first responders and all medical support staff, especially those who keep those spaces clean. I'm taking Ellison for his annual physical, and I know that I can do that confidently because of how hard everybody is working in those areas. I want to thank everyone in the food industry, from the grocery stores to distribution to farmers and postal workers. I love you, postal workers and teachers. Oh, I love you. I love you so much. I love you in a way that could be awkward. And I also want to thank those who work in nursing homes and in senior centers. That's that's some really dedicated and above and beyond work. And I appreciate how much care and effort you are putting in to that job. And a very big thank you to all of those who work at food banks right now. There is not a place in the country that is not suffering from a food shortage in a variety of communities because work insecurity and food insecurity is on the rise due to the pandemic. And so, you know, don't forget to check in on the local food banks. A lot of places have like Amazon wish lists and you can just go and buy stuff that just goes directly to them. So just check that out. Now, to the really important question, how am I? Guys, something different <laughs> happened this year. And I want to preface this with, I am not doing this at you. This year, during this Thanksgiving break, I could feel the change. There were times where no one needed me. Stefan cooked for like three days. And any other year, I would be so resentful and tired because I was having to like put in all the extra energy on Ellis, who, you know, just needs a lot. And this year, I was like, something is different. What is it? I don't feel resentful about anything, (laughs) about anything, guys. Like I had all this emotional space. The kids would be either watching something or playing something or outside or in their rooms. There were times where Stefan and I actually went on a walk during the day together. And like, oh, what? What? I don't understand. It was awesome. It felt like such a level up. It wasn't like, like, teen level up where like the kids don't want to talk to you at all and ignore you. I mean, the kids still like want to show me stuff and like talk to me, but there was just this weird new separation of space, emotional space that was happening. And I'm very proud of myself for recognizing it. And I'm very proud of myself for not filling it with cleaning the entire time. (laughs) So yay for me. You know, what's funny is that if you had told me before I had kids, I would be having a conversation like this with you, I would have told you that is not true. I'm going to have so many boundaries when I am a parent. Just watch. My children will love playing on their own. I also try to imagine me now even going back to biz three years ago, I think, was it four years ago where I was crying in front of 
cat saying things like, I'm sorry I've ruined Christmas. I'm trying to make everything perfect. And and tell that version of me that it was going to be okay and that things would eventually work themselves out. I'm not sure I would have listened to that version of me, which I think ties in nicely to what we are going to talk about today with Chelsea Nina Urson about her podcast, Dear Young Rocker. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking to Chelsea, who is a writer, musician, and podcaster from Boston, Massachusetts. She created her podcast, Dear Young Rocker, an audio memoir and advice show for teenagers of all ages about feeling like a loner and finding a home in music. She sings and plays bass in her grunge pop band, Banana, I can love it, and volunteers as a teacher and mentor at the Girls Rock Camp. She is a cat mom to her furry son, Alaska, <laughs> Alaska, Alaska, and say thank you so much for joining us, Chelsea. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Thank you for having me, Biz. It's great to be here. It is nice. Thank you. It's nice to have you here. I'm going to start by asking who lives in your house? Sure. So my house is a small one bedroom apartment (laughs) and I share it with three males, one human, two feline. Um, I have a a boyfriend who's the human. Um, My other boyfriend (laughs) slash son is my cat Alaska and then my boyfriend's cat Weasel who is giving me the death stare right now. I guess I didn't give him enough dinner. So oh, yeah. that's that's the roundup and a bunch of plants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, d- did the plants come with the pandemic or were you a plant person pre-pandemic? Okay. So I had I had a fair amount of plants before pandemic okay. and then I needed more beings yeah. alone with me all day in the house and I got a few more. Yeah. Recently. Oh, yeah. This house filled up with plants. During the pandemic. Yeah, we were not plant people. And then I was like, I need more things to that I can try not to kill. Yeah. And that I can name. So, you know, I like to name things. All yeah, right. It's good to watch them and just, <laughs> I don't know, feel like you're you're doing something good for the planet, I guess. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I'm like good touching one now. It's weird that no one can see me do this. But like just talking plants, I'm now touching. Okay, let's talk about... The podcast, Dear Young Rocker, audio memoir, I would love for us to answer the question that is asked of all podcasters or really people who create and do anything. And that is, why did you create? How did you create? Where did this come from? Podcast. Yeah. Great. (laughs) So this is always, I mean, I enjoy answering this question, but I always go, because it's a really long it's a really long answer so it's i mean it's a memoir so it's basically like i lived a life so where do i start even answering this question and then i wrote about my life so i was born Uh um i had some experiences i became a young anxious super self-conscious kid who was really angry and wanted to punch things and didn't know why and i mean 
later learned because I had really bad anxiety and thought that only boys wanted to punch things, but it turns out girls do too. And oh, it's no, actually girls normal. love punching. We, we love punching. I thought I was a weirdo and messed mm. up and wrong and bad for feeling that way. But I found heavy rock music and that listening to like Linkin Park or whatever <laughs> was yes. a great release for that. And eventually I wanted to be closer to that music. And so I started playing the bass guitar and the guitar got more into bass than the guitar, but um, did that for a few years, finally got into a band in high school. And that was the first time I was able to like talk to other kids. Mm. I had this, finally had this like shared language because I didn't, I was super tomboy, didn't know how to like be a girl I guess I was super I I just felt like even if I tried to put on makeup I would do it wrong and I just didn't even want to try so with boys and guitars I was like yeah I can talk about bands I can talk about guitars I finally had something I felt confident in had this little band long story short everyone wanted (laughs) to date me in the band you are a woman (laughs) in a band of teenagers yeah that's yeah I mean not to be cliche but <laughs> I lived all the bass play, the girl bass player cliches. I've lived all of them, believe me. Um, so I had those experiences, kept music through my life. But when I got to a certain age, it was all like, oh, I need to start growing up and thinking about a career. And music was just something I did in high school, has no big thing in my life. Like, I just play in a garage band. I'm not trying to, like, be a famous whatever. I need to get a job, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I kind of, like, pushed away music, went to grad school. But then at some point in grad school, I just kept writing. I just kept coming back to writing about being a musician and realizing I had some sort of unfinished business there. <laughs> and I I wasn't sure what it was. I just felt really angry. That's all I knew. And I hadn't felt that anger since I was a kid. And I was like, I thought I left that all behind me. What am I so angry about? And I realized I was so angry that I, f- I just felt so alone in what I went through and that it wasn't like the world's most unusual experience I, mm. I you know i learned about riot girl and all that stuff <laughs> not till i was like 25 26 i didn't know about that in high school all i knew in high school was nirvana and then courtney love ruined nirvana like that's all <laughs> i knew i so aka women should not be involved in rock and roll yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I i was the only girl in my whole school who had played music that i knew of maybe there were others in their bedrooms who were too shy to do it you know, in public. I don't know. But I I just felt like there was something there. And I started journaling and journaling and writing about my band in high school and all the stuff that happened. And then I had a thesis advisor in grad school who was like, oh, I love this part where you start talking to your younger self and you tell her like, hey, kid, you should have just started a band with girls. Like, screw these guys. You have power (laughs) over them. You didn't need them. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And he said, why don't you do it every chapter? And I did it every chapter. And then I wanted to publish this book I wrote. And then I found out you can't just publish a memoir if you're just some kid in grad school who's never published anything ever. Even though it's such a good story. What? Yeah. God, that's so, unfair. And that pissed me off because I yeah. was like, this this story could help teenage girls right yeah. now, like right this minute. But I can't put it out because I am not some celebrity, whatever. So I learned that anyone can put out a podcast. So I said, you know, record myself (laughs) saying this book pretty much 
I mean, I had to completely change it because a, a, a chapter of a book is like two hours of speaking, but you know, audiobooks are so long. So I had to adapt the scripts. I added sound effects to recreate yeah. the sounds of me playing in my band. I really upped the advice component where I give advice to my younger self. I called it Dear Young Rocker because I wrote a letter to myself each episode that started with Dear Young Rocker, meaning Dear Younger Me. And through this, I just like, you know, I had done therapy and self-help stuff for years and this just like blew out a little bit out of the water. I just like figured out kind of what I wanted to do with this and it's connected me to so many other people and other podcasters and creators and yeah, it's been awesome. And now, who knows, maybe that book will get published someday, but now it's podcast. Yeah, no, it's so good. Oh, yeah, no, it, it is a shame. It did not start as a memoir. <laughs> I mean, like a published book. So everybody out there, listen, listen, alert. This needs to be a book. Okay. Uh, it's interesting that you said that about kind of going back and touching on you know, writing these letters to yourself and and touching back on previous experiences. And I wonder if part of this process for you, you do one season, now you're doing a second season, you're writing these letters to yourself. And I wonder, have the letters changed? Has your view on who you were and your experiences changed how does the letter writing the connecting with the younger you affect how you see yourself and and does the younger you ever respond i've just i've become so much more compassionate toward teenage me because yeah. when i was maybe in my early 20s i think whenever you think of the age you were a few years ago you go what a stupid idiot i can't believe ugh. You yeah. know, but when you go back far enough, I finally got into that point in my 30s that when I think of teenage me, instead of thinking like, why did I say that dumb thing? I go, I know why I said that dumb thing, because my parents taught me to act that way. Yeah. <laughs> and be, they berated my appearance, so I didn't feel comfortable being me. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, given what you've got, kid, like, and now having learned what other people's more well-adjusted parents kind of taught them. I see exactly why you ended up the way you did. You were raised by misanthropes. No wonder you want to be a misanthrope so early. So yeah, I, I got a lot of compassion. I also, but also at the same time, more compassion for them because I think of them being raised by people with like the next level of that. Yeah. I can't imagine the Great Depression mindset that raised them was even more intense than what I got. So now, yeah, when I think back to that, when I started writing to the 11-year-old, that was a crazy experience because I really just felt like I was talking to a kid, this yeah. like precious being. And I, I cried and cried and cried when I when I started doing this. Absolutely. I really broke down because I had kept so much of that emotion inside because as a kid I was just like you can't let anyone know you feel bad that's the worst thing you can do because then your parents will feel bad that you feel bad and blah, blah, blah. and you know later on I knew I had anxiety early and I knew I, I felt depressed about things but I always chalked it up to being an immature overly emotional kid but then going back I was like man there's there's a lot of reasons for for those feelings and Thank God I found music. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the music specifically because it it's through both seasons, music acts not only as like a core and as a tether, it also at times goes away mm-hmm. and it seriously is used against you. Mm-hmm. And then like there's distrust of the music. There's, I'm going to, in season two, which covers your 20s, you do an episode about being part of a yoga cult. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, this was, I, we could just literally spend a whole show talking about each episode of your show. <laughs> but we will not do that. But I do want to talk about this one because, you know, cults we all know this is about manipulating the young it is about you know separating them and all of these things and at the end a couple of things happened in this episode that i found interesting but at the end of the episode you're talking about what you learned and the messages are so mixed there's strength that comes out of it and then there's this great distrust that comes out of it even at your music a little bit. And I kind of want to talk about, I want to ask you about this journey with music and, you know, how you were able to reconnect with it and trust Mm -hmm. it. Like, Do you trust it? Do you trust music now? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, I still have problems. I don't know. I guess... (laughs) (laughs) It's hard because, yeah, it has sort of betrayed me, or it, it feels like it has. I It's the thing, it's like the romance of my life is yeah. me and music, and that's what Dear Young Rocker is about. There, There's boyfriends and whatever that come and go, but the real love story of Dear Young Rocker is a girl in the bass or a girl yeah. in music, and... Yeah, when I was younger, it was, you know, it was the most passionate love I had ever felt. And that makes you crazy. And it makes you do dumb stuff, right? Um, And then at some point, I just got this message from my mom. You know, it was cool that you were at a band in high school. That's great. But you're not a teenager anymore. Um, That email. (laughs) You know, like, oh, you got to... The real job thing just kept popping up and get a real apartment. You got to stop. You know, even when I started volunteering for Girls Rock Camp, why are you doing all this unpaid work? You should be getting a real job. And so I felt like, oh, man, I wasted all these years playing music. Like, it, it felt like, why did I do so much with it when it just distracted me from... I don't know, whatever I was supposed to be doing, being in AP classes so I could have gone to college earlier. I don't know. I had all these ideas like, oh, I would have been a rocket scientist if I hadn't been in a band. (laughs) Even though I had good grades, I did well in school, like whatever. But it just felt like, oh, it distracted me from growing up or something like that. Like this should be immature. You know, this is an immature thing to, to keep doing when you're 25 and keep coloring your hair pink or whatever i don't know um and that's what that's one thing i got really angry about is when i realized that's bullshit like if i took all of that out of my life i would just and i just got a job as i don't know like a consultant something and (laughs) i don't even know whatever financial planner and (laughs) you know 
and just got rid of all my hobbies. Like, I'd rather die. Like, I don't want to just make money and I don't know. Like, the 16-year-old mindset of, like, I don't want to just be a corporate shill came back. I was Mm. like, oh, man, for a minute, like, I thought that's (laughs) what I'm supposed to do. And so I kept seeing it in these black and white terms, like, creative rocker or... Yeah. you know, real job person. And I could never seem to make progress on both things. And they always seem to get in the way of each other. And, you know, at some point I realized like, no, music's just going to be there. Even if I don't play for six months or a year, like, like what's, what's happening right now? It's, yeah. I don't know the next time I'm going to play a show, but I feel pretty secure that like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a grandma rocker. Like I'm gonna, yeah play forever even if it's just in my basement with my other old lady rocker friends like (laughs) that's gonna happen forever but with the cult thing yeah I felt like music had betrayed me because the way that I really emotionally got sucked in was that during the meditation sessions which is in this version of the cult, basically, you do these meditation sessions where you talk to basically your inner child. You talk to yourself. And so that is really healing and really powerful. And then they play this music, this extremely emotional, I swear they engineer this stuff for brainwashing. They do. This violin <laughs> and piano. And it was like good playing. It wasn't, I yeah. mean, it was kind of cheesy, but it made me cry every time they put it oh, on. Man. It's like the music they put on with those commercials about abused animals that makes you cry like it's just you know so (laughs) they would put this song on at the end of every session and me just being super affected by music that just absolutely got me because yeah and then they did this other like movement meditation where you're kind of dancing and screaming and it's this pounding drum and I'm a very rhythmic person like drums really get me and I just wanted to like run away from even like regular yoga classes after that if they played music i would just get like (laughs) grossed out feeling i was like no i don't and then you know that just sort of very safe nice hippie yoga teacher being like let's move our bodies freely i'd be like no no (laughs) let's move our bodies rigidly to a a set program <laughs> let's not open our new age minds ever again please like well, well what was interesting is at the end of one of those sessions at the end of the big session your initiation i suppose your graduation you do have this moment where you see yourself and i gotta tell you i, I i'm sure it is intentional but it almost felt like well, is that you now going back to try and talk to your younger? Is that a metaphysical like letter that you have? <gasps> like, did you listen to that person who stood in Ooh. front of you and told you that you were okay and that you were beautiful and loved? I mean, Whoa. like, I was like, hello. <laughs> wow, I didn't think of that. That actually gives me the shivers to think about. Like, maybe that apparition I saw of yeah. me was older me trying to yeah. warn young... Oh, my God. I know. You're <gasps> welcome. <laughs> maybe it's even me after death, like, coming they, down, you know? Could be you so far away. Oh, my right? God. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was, like, such an interesting experience it to felt have. so real. Let me tell yeah, you. I, I mean, believe it. And I wasn't, as far as I know, unless they drugged the Mm -hmm. water they gave us, which I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't think so. I think they just, they put us into this suggestive state 
by over-exercising us, they, they pulled all the blinds down so we didn't know what time of day it was. So we kind of lost sense of reality and yeah. we were doing all these exercises to break us down emotionally. And so when I opened my eyes and I saw this like being floating above me, it just absolutely felt real. It did not feel like a dream. It did not feel like some image from deep within my brain or some no. meditation, you know, whatever. It, it it just, like, I felt like I could reach out and touch it. And it was me. I just knew it was me. I knew it was a part of me. Yeah. And it was human-shaped and it was shaped like me. And I just felt... And it loved you. It loved me. I just felt this overwhelming <laughs> sense of love coming from it toward me and then me loving it back. And I was like, this is the first time I've ever felt what it's like to really love yourself. And as much as I, you know, spent the next few years hating the people who took all my money and wanted to, like, abduct me. Oh, um, sure. Killed other people. <laughs> eventually, I was like, that was an experience I wouldn't trade. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't take that back. That was yes, the I, most spiritual thing I've ever felt. Well, this is this is the crux of the letter to yourself like concept, right? The whether it is a letter to yourself or whether it is me looking at my kids. My oldest is 11 and I see it all. Like it just all the everything just comes rushing back. And mm -hmm. do you know who doesn't care? My child. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm sure. My child doesn't care that I dyed mm -hmm. my hair or that I wanted to shave it off or whatever. And like, yep. if I were to talk to my pre-child self, like to the before I had kids, I'd be like, hey, that's not going to be how my life's going to be. You don't know what you're talking about, right? Like, <laughs> or even talking to myself right now, if I were to come back and say anything as especially as teens, when we get into this, like just developmentally, we're supposed to be pushing boundaries. We're supposed to be exploring ourselves as independent from those around us. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, something that comes up in your stories and could come out of probably millions of diaries is this concept of I have no one to talk to. My, I can't tell my parents, I can't tell my friends, I can't tell, I have no one who I can, I am alone and isolated. Yep. And and then you say, if maybe if I'd had a mentor, and I think, well, would we have ever listened to those mentors? Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, what, I mean, I don't know if I would I have. And, and I, so I remember a teacher writing on a paper, like, you seem down. Do you ever want to talk? And she was like a cool teacher. Yeah. And I, I still just was like, I can't talk to her. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And I wonder <laughs> about that. Like, I wonder about my husband and I were talking about this before the interview. And he was like, you know, but that's just it. No one's going to tell you. People can tell you as much as they want, but you have to kind of walk through it. Right? Like, you have to walk through these experiences, and a lot of times, they are no good. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah. they're, they're like, real bad, mm -hmm. and, and you don't wish that upon anyone. I don't want my kids to go through any of the stuff I went through, not even for a second. No. Simultaneously, I have no power over that on some mm -hmm. level. Right. And so... I know people have reached out to you. You know, where do you see themes have to have arisen 
right? Like in terms of what people have gone through and shared experiences. So what has the response been? And I guess also, would we listen to ourselves if we wrote ourselves a letter, right? Like would Mm. young you respond if you were like, you know what? It's because young you does figure this stuff out. You're mm-hmm. here and I'm talking to you. Right. And even after the call, you got there. Like you mm-hmm. figured out that it was not the path you were supposed to be on. Right. But you have to figure it out yourself. And I say uh, that at the, a lot of my no. letters. Like, <laughs> it's to your mother. <laughs> you, you have to like walk the path. And, yeah, know. you know, Ugh. as crappy as it is, it's your path. It's, I. The more and more I think about it, the more I believe in destiny and I believe in no matter what you do, you're going to do the stuff you're going to do. I think the a, a lot of stuff is is just pre-written and we have to yeah. live it. Ugh. Or at least that helps me sleep, but... <laughs> no! No, no, no! no. <laughs> I want to deny it. I want to <laughs> deny it. But no, I, I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't have listened because... Yeah, I remember a million times my mom saying, you can talk to me about anything. You can talk to me about anything. But this is the thing. I knew, you know, my parents got divorced when I was really young. I knew they were miserable. I knew they were depressed about it and upset. Whenever they talked about it, they acted like life was fine. We're going to be a perfect nuclear family. So I, so as much as they said, if you feel sad about the divorce, you talk to us, talk to us about anything. They weren't talking about it. So I got the message that to be a grown-up, you don't say when you're sad. You don't say when you're anxious. I could feel the anxiety radiating off of my mom, like vibrating as she's like losing weight from being anxious. Like I could see her getting skinnier and skinnier. And she wouldn't say she was sad. She wouldn't say she was upset. And so I just had that nailed into me like... And I couldn't articulate it, but I went to child therapists and I would tell them, I, I am the most well-adjusted, perfect, yeah, happy. Great. I am so happy my parents got divorced. It's really working out. I get two <laughs> sets of Christmas presents. <laughs> like, it's just, oh, look at the pictures I made. And they were like, she's perfect. And I, you know, I was good at hiding it because that, that that's what I learned to do. And so I think if, you know, maybe I had more open parents if they shared with me i would have shared a little more with them but at Mm. the same time i understand they didn't want to put the pain of their divorce and their financial problems on a little six-year-old like i get that (laughs) that's like not what you're supposed to do but if they had said something like mom's sad but if you give me a hug i'll feel better maybe i could have said i'm sad too i need a hug i don't know i don't know i mean that's just it none of us ever know i don't know I don't know. I'm sure, you know, when I have kids, I'll probably do the opposite. I'll probably give them too much emotion and then they'll be like, oh, yuck. Like, oh, yeah. No, ju- you'll definitely fuck it up. Don't worry about that. I'll, right. I'll just do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is kind of what I want to wrap up on. You, I know that you have been getting lots of emails and, you know, comments from people who are very thankful <laughs> that you have been doing this podcast because it, it does help them feel less alone. But I got to ask, do you ever get somebody who's like, teens are great. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is just you. <laughs> uh, 
No, okay. I mean, there's always weirdos on Apple Podcast reviews, yeah. right? There's always people who are like, why did you leave this review? Why didn't you just stop listening to the yes. show if you hate the premise of it? it? It's always a man. It's always a man who's like, this is feminist. I'm a man. I don't like it. I'm like, so don't listen to don't it. Don't listen to it. Duh, I don't listen to like the bro show and yeah. hate, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I, I think I had one like really lazy dumb guy review that was like, you're whiny about your problems, lady or something. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Thanks. Go, go take something for your period. <laughs> Ugh, yuck. I don't want to hear about emotions. Blah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he's cool to hang out with. he's cool. He's probably really um, cool. <laughs> But no, I've gotten such good, oh my God, I've gotten such wonderful messages. I mean, the whole goal of a memoir, as whiny as it can feel to write about yourself, (laughs) the whole point is to show that we're all humans and we have the same emotions. And so when I get messages, I always get these messages from like middle-aged men. They always start with, I'm a middle-aged man, but... (laughs) I probably have a hundred. I'm a six-year-old man. I'm a fifty-four-year-old man. But I can't believe how similar I felt to you in high school. Like, I loved rock bands, and I started playing the guitar with my buddies or whatever it was. I can't believe you you uh, had the same like social anxiety and the same anger and the same frustrations. And that's always cool that I'm like opening minds. And the best is when those guys say, "And I have a thirteen-year-old daughter." Yeah. And I just realized for the first time she's going through what I went through. Yeah. Like, and they they probably just felt like they were living with, I hear from dads, they feel like they're living with this alien. Like they have yeah. no idea how to conceptualize a, a young girl's mind and what she deals with at school and ha- how it feels to, you know, deal with boys. And a lot of dads are terrified of their daughter starting to experience boys. And... They say, like, your show helped me so much to, like, understand from what their perspective might be because she won't talk to me, right? Yeah. She won't let me in. And then some even say, I listened with my kid and we talked about stuff. And that's when my heart just, like, melts. Like, I, that's worth a billion dollars. Like, I, ugh. No, it's, it, it, well, I'm glad that you get those comments because it is, it is a wonderful reminder that we are not alone and that anything you're going through, there's a good chance somebody else went through it or is going through it. And while not all experiences can be exactly the same, there are some universal feelings <laughs> that we have. And I, I, love that I love Mm -hmm. that dads are listening with their daughters because I I think it's it is easy to see even see people who are right in front of us as one-dimensional right or sort of a stereotype and uh, it's or just a mystery or just a mystery and it's good when we can break that right Mm -hmm. just chop that up break it up uh, well, I recommend Dear Young Rocker because it, it, it's such a journey, not only for yourself, but also like for me, I'm like, oh, I remember this. This is wow. 
Wow. Oh! And then as like a mom too, I'm like, oh God, no, baby girl, you just call, you pick that phone up and you call me right this minute. We will come get you and we will ask no questions and we will not yell and we will just come. Yes. <laughs> so, so thank you for making this podcast and sharing your memoir uh, with everybody in this this manner. The production is excellent. The writing is unbelievable. And the experiences are so shared and touching. So we will make sure everybody knows how to get that podcast. If you are listening to a podcast, you know how to get a podcast. <laughs> Dear Young Rocker, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. This has been really fun. Well, you're doing a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a good one. Okay, you too. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Calm. 2020 has been a lot, and we could all benefit from less stress and more sleep in our lives. It's so important to take care of ourselves and invest in our well-being during times of anxiety. Calm is an app that provides a whole library of programs for healthy sleep, as well as guided meditations and soundscapes and sleep stories. And I have had Calm since long before the pandemic because my brain could not stop and I didn't know how to walk through a meditation on my own or just have time. I used to listen to this in Carline. I would Mm. do their like 10 minute daily affirmation meditations in Carline when you're just parked before Carline ever starts moving. That is so genius. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash badmother. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. So get started today at calm.com slash badmother. That's calm.com slash badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Teresa, genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. (laughs) I love the low bar genius moments. I am just living for them right now. So yesterday... We have, we have, you know, we have the ongoing problem of like the kids play with Legos and inevitably the three-year-old messes up somebody's thing that they've been like working painstakingly on for Mm -hmm. days. So that's an ongoing like background thing to be aware of. Then another thing we have going on is Oscar, my seven-year-old who loves Minecraft, also now loves Star Wars. (laughs) And I got him the like 
Star Wars pack for Minecraft, and he's so happy with it (laughs) that it's 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 just it's so sweet. Like he's so delighted when yeah. he gets to go play. Like he's just <gasps> thrilled, and he's talking about it when he's not playing it, and it's just bringing him so much joy. And yesterday, I had this genius moment where Curtis, my three-year-old, was screwing around with Oscar's Legos that he had just a very nice thing that Oscar had put together and I didn't realize it in time and it all came totally apart to the point where it was like completely apart like completely like there's no like I can help get and put this back together no it was totally apart and Oscar hadn't noticed that this was happening because he was playing his beloved Star Wars Minecraft game And I thought to myself, like, well, this will be fun later when it's like both time to turn off the (laughs) iPad and he first thing he's going to see is that this has happened. (laughs) Great. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And then small light bulb, soft, soft glow light bulb. Why don't I just interrupt him right now while he's playing and really happy because he has lots more time ahead of him? of his screen time. Yeah. And tell him about it now when like <sighs> nothing can get him down because he's like living in his dream world. And I was like, is this could this like break badly? It could possibly, but I actually think it'll be great. I had to deal with it right then rather than like kicking the can down the road, but I, yeah. I just went for it. I said, "Excuse me, Oscar. I'm so sorry." And I held up in my hands the all of the pieces and said, "This this has happened." I'm so sorry. I wanted you to know. And sure enough, he said, oh, okay, mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then he went back, went back oh my to his God. game and truly like had pro- like somehow processed it enough that later there was never screaming about it. Like we did wow. talk about it later and we did like whatever, but like yeah. there was no freak out. And I just feel like I saved myself from that. Good job. Yeah. Good job using all the tools available to you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I think that is genius. Very good. My genius is not my genius. I am going to give a special genius shout out to my big sister. Oh. Hello, Michelle, who listens to the podcast and had noted... But I was a little worried about what to do for Thanksgiving with the family. And she and Lex sent out an email inviting us and the folks to a scavenger hunt. And they, where they would be the judges, and they gave us all, like, we needed costumes, we needed team names, we needed a cheer. You got bonus points for those things, plus bonus points for complimenting the judges. And I will say that this family won (laughs) on praising the judges yeah <laughs> that is how he won i can see um, that that's great and uh, you know the the scavenger items were like something from the 1970s something donald trump would hate something that starts with a q something from someone else's yard right and and then you would all you'd present them all at the same time so and good it was so much fun wow and i could not stop laughing at what my parents had selected for all of these. Mama went 
to that neighbor's yard and stole that goat. I know exactly. I know she like holds it up. And I was just like, holy shit, you got it. There was like, you know, uh, the team names were so good. It was like definitely one of those moments where I was like, I'm getting to see my family at their yeah. finest, yes. right? Like, this is yeah, why... Yeah, it's real. That's like it a was, real family yeah. experience together. Yeah, it was That's so amazing. good. Yeah. And uh, I will say, that actually, there was a side genius that morning. I said to the kids who had already been, like, super snitty and like, rah, 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 right? I was like, hey, guys, today, this is what's happening, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And we'll be doing this Zoom with my family. And... I, this is really important to me, very important, and it would mean a great deal if people didn't get mad or lose their temper over things that really aren't important, or if they feel that enough attention is not being paid to them at that moment, or if they wanted to be in front of the camera longer, or if they wanted another turn. That will make me really sad. <laughs> and I said, Yeah. How this, can... this is your genius. This yeah, is your genius. I was like, yeah. I set some good boundaries. Yeah. And I said, you know, I need you guys to do this. And how can we make yeah. this the best? You know, can we pre-think things? Can we? And they were at their best. Like there wow. was because I mean Ellis usually like five minutes on it just starts oh, yeah. screaming about sure. something and yes. I was like you are a charming adorable hilarious child how yeah. come they only see you screaming right mm. like so it was very good <laughs> I'm so happy for you good I, I, job yes good job especially hello Michelle thank you yes. <laughs> Hi, Biz and Teresa. I am calling with a genius. It started as a fail because I was taking my two toddlers to the grocery store with just all of the masks and the hand sanitizer, and it's just such a struggle. And then I dropped my quarter that I used to release the cart into my coffee, which I had just reheated because I couldn't even drink it when it was hot this morning. Anyway, I dropped my quarter in the coffee, and that really sucked. But we made it through the shopping trip. I came home. I poured myself a mimosa, and then I remembered to take the quarter out of my coffee before I dumped the coffee down the sink, therefore saving my garbage disposal. And that, I think, is just such a genius. So I wanted to share it with you because nobody else cares, but I know you guys do. Thank you for the show and all that you do, and thank you to all the essential people and everyone, and we are all doing such a great job. You are doing a great job. Yeah, you are. I mean, the genius is remembering that dumb quarter. Yeah. That where do you live where they've got to lock up the grocery carts? Oh, they have that in San Francisco. Do yeah. they? Yeah. That is be free grocery carts. Be free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut to 10 minutes later. They're all yeah. gone. They're all gone. Yeah, I know. All right. Fine. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. We might have had a abandoned grocery cart in our backyard for a while. Anyway. Anyhow, you are correct that the genius in that sea of awful was remembering that quarter yeah. that you could have either dumped down the garbage disposal mm -hmm. or better yet, put in the microwave and rewarmed up again. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I got to add, the 
the buried genius is you mm. went grocery shopping with two toddlers during COVID. Yeah, That's hard. You survived that. That's yeah. really hard. I'm really <laughs> impressed that you yeah. did that. Yes, that is a thing that you did that is hard. <laughs> really stressful and hard. Not even during COVID is it a good yeah. idea. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard any time. It's hard with one. We should be like outside of grocery yes. stores. And whenever you see like yes. somebody coming out with kids and groceries. They should have the ribbon. Just, like the yeah. finish line ribbon. <laughs> they like run, run through. through the ribbon. <laughs> yes. That sounds like a new weekend project for me. Just yeah. quick. You grab one end of the banner, Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a very good job. Yes, you are. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. Fail me. Teresa. Curtis, my three-year-old, yeah. uses a one of those potty chairs at home most of the time. And <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and you know, this is my third kid, third time using this potty chair. I, I'm very I don't even really think think about it when I'm like dumping the pee in the toilet, giving it a rinse in the sink, dumping that water in the toilet, and then putting it back in the seat. And I was doing this the other night after he had peed. I think it was pee. And Oscar (laughs) was brushing his teeth in the sink. And I was like, excuse me, just like not even thinking that that's kind of rude to rinse the rinse it like right yeah. in front of the person who's using the sink rinse the it's toilet like a small, yeah it's a small bathroom small sink yeah. like very close quarters and i was just like rushing like trying to get people ready for bed whatever like excuse me coming through like potty yeah. chair whatever and he's like you know mom. like <laughs> and i lift it after i like dumped the water i think I, it was at that stage i lifted at some point i lifted it up over his head either getting to <laughs> or from the sink and like some drips yeah. of water, not sure, pee, water. Doesn't matter. But water, sure. but water that was—I mean, it's contaminated water for sure. But it was mostly water, just dripped off the chair onto the <laughs> onto Oscar's head, <laughs> and he totally like it was enough that oh. he totally felt it and was appalled. Yeah. Like he couldn't—I mean, anybody would be, but like. It was so yeah. gross, and I was oh, like, "Oh, I'm so," and I'm like, "Oh, it's just water, it's just sorry. water," and he's, I'm like, "It's just water," and I did, I like, I like tried to like dab it and like clean it. It's just water, and he's like looking at me like he sees the potty yeah. chair in my hand. He's like, yeah. "Mom, that's disgusting!" Yeah, like he was pee. horrified, and I was also horrified at myself. Do you think it would have been helpful? to dry it off with toilet paper or would that have made it feel even more like pee? With toilet paper? Right? You're like trying to find something to grab it to dry it off with. Instead of like a dish towel. Like I don't want to get my dish towels dirty on his head. So I'll use toilet paper. That's more. Body towel. Yuck. (laughs) Wow. That that was flawless. That was a flawless (laughs) fail. Thank you. Really very good. I like a low bar as mm-hmm. much as the next person. Yeah. Uh, I embrace it. I embrace the screen time mm-hmm. and the TV time sure. and the switch time yeah. and the let's yeah. do it. Get through the day. Let's get through a yeah. day. But I will say there does come a moment where you think, 
maybe this is too much. Mm. Maybe the experts are a little right about uh-huh. it affecting attitudes mm. in the house. Mm-hmm. And I think I would care less about that if, like, our screens were anywhere else other than the den, which is also our dining room, which is also the kitchen. So yeah. there's nowhere to go as an adult during no. their screen time. Not really, because yeah. you have to cook or if you have to, right? And so yeah. you have to hear all mm-hmm. the noise of the screen yeah. time. Plus all the like shitty, snitty, back and forth, bickering, which just, which just brings me right to that place of, oh, you want to (laughs) see, you know what I mean? You want to see this? We'll we'll see how unhappy you'll be if I take this all away. (laughs) This doesn't look like you're having much fun, kids. It would be so easy for me to just turn this off. Watch this. Mama's going to play the mama card. Watch out. Yeah, you know, but like you're just watching them get stressed out playing it and yeah. stuff. But you know, if you pull the plug right in the middle of the stress, that's going to go so bad. Yeah. And then you just get to spend the rest of your time uh, doubting every choice you've ever made yep. as a parent, probably mm-hmm. as a person. So, mm-hmm. yay, holidays. Yay, pandemic life. Yay, <laughs> all of us together. All the time. Yeah. And by yay, you mean tears. Yeah. By yay, I mean rage, deep sadness, anger, and maybe some self-reflection of all the time (laughs) that I'm on the switch. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Thank God Christmas is coming and I can get more (laughs) games. I know. (laughs) Hi, this is a fail. My four-year-old just told me to stop saying I'm sorry. And it was just a reminder of how many times I feel like I have screwed up today. I have a kindergartner who's in hybrid and a four-year-old, and it's a lot. And I feel like it's I'm doing it wrong all the time, and apparently... I'm apologizing to them a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I'm failing by having to say I'm sorry to my kids all day. (laughs) Thanks for telling me I'm doing a great job. You actually are doing a good job. I'm just going to sneak that in there. Yeah, let's sneak that in there. I want to sneak that in. Because the apology thing is a fail. On its own, like, uh-huh. this, I have been through this myself. It's, it's, it comes in many forms, be it uh-huh. the apology, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, or if it's okay, right? If it's okay if I do this, or God, I'm sorry, that was so stupid, right? Like, uh, I don't want to be an asshole. I'm so sorry. Like, we can find ways to work in a negative language mm-hmm. that we think is sort of, I remember, and I, I know I've shared this story before, but I remember a friend of mine turning to me one day saying, stop calling yourself an asshole because you're not. And it had become such a habit just to sort of say that in a toss-off mm. kind of way. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. And so 
it, the fail is kind of getting trapped in that cycle of like a negative language. And it is hard. This is all hard and impossible. And we're all like fucking up a lot. We're also succeeding a lot. Right. Let's don't like, don't let the secret out. Keep that secret. Right. (laughs) We'll stop apologizing for that stuff. Right. Like just, I don't know. Maybe am I, you know, I, yeah. No, I like, I like that. I think I'm so curious about this too, because I, I think I've been apologizing more, but I think I'm, I think it's more, it's not so much that I feel I'm screwing up. It's that I just feel sorry for sorry. my kids that this is like their life. Like just the same way yeah. I feel sorry for myself sometimes. Like I'm mm. just like, guys, like I'm so, like, and I, I think it's, it is still like not the best because it's yeah. like, come on, like we're all pulling up our pants or skirts or whatever you want to wear. <laughs> and like, we're doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and whatever but I do I feel that feeling too and I think it is just coming from that place of mom guilt where we feel somehow responsible for everything about our kids lives which is just not accurate at all like no there's just so much of our kids lives that is out of our control and somehow despite what we have been told despite what we've been told (laughs) if yeah we've been told that like if we work hard you know our kids will have whatever whatever point being you're not alone that does suck yeah but you're not alone we're all doing it (laughs) we're all failing in this way i'm sorry that you're failing (laughs) (laughs) i am too (laughs) you are the greatest mom i've ever known i love you i love you When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Dipsy. Need to unwind after a long day of Zoom calls? Looking for some new self-care ideas? Or maybe you're just looking for a way to get out of a funk and start feeling like yourself again. Reset and reconnect with yourself with Dipsy. Oh, let me tell you, Dipsy has helped me reconnect in the most helpful and delightful of ways. Because Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Guys, mama needed a little self-care. On with my headphones and many Dipsy stories later, I, uh, you could say I had gotten in touch with myself again. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash badmother. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash badmother. Dipsystories.com slash badmother. Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, Probably not. I'm Emily Heller. 
I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. But like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. All right, everybody. Pull up your warmest blanket. Get your hot cocoa. And join me as I snuggle next to Teresa through Zoom. And listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi. The grant feels particularly unfair during a pandemic to be an introverted parent with an extroverted child. And I vaguely recall that you did a podcast on this exact topic. I am so burnt out on social interaction right now. And my toddler has insisted on trying to rope me into every activity (laughs) that he has done for the last several hours. And I am buying basically any minute that I can. Right now, I have to go get his stuffed animals ready for bed. So I shut the door and left him in there. And I'm getting his stuffed animals ready for bed so that I can make this phone call in silence. Because my brain is fried, and I would like to not interact with any other humans right now. (laughs) Although, I suppose I am calling you, so I don't know what that says. Oh, anyway, you know what? I did a great job because I survived today, and I didn't lose my mind too much, you know? So, thanks for the hotline. You are doing a good job. And I I kind of feel like maybe we should never keep a chart, but that there's something to be said about not losing much of our mind each day, right? Like, because I don't think we ever lose it all at once. But it's getting chipped away at a little bit, guys. Chipped away. Yep. Chip away. Chip Chip away. away. Occasionally, there's a day where you patch it back yep, a little maybe. bit that part's easier to chip away oh yeah day. it's like when you think you've plastered over the hole in the wall and mm-hmm. then like a year later you're like yeah. i'm gonna hang this picture here hammer <laughs> fall out anyway Crumble. you you're actually doing an amazing job and i'm really actually glad that you call because this is true this is true. We we have talked about this on the show. In fact, we talked about it recently with our partners, like needing 
uh, different amounts of space and quiet time. And this is true of our kids. And I think there's just this weird, unproven like assumption that when you have kids, you'll never be filled with too much, right? Like, is that, that you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's say you're an introvert. Yeah, but you, you have kids. That's not the same. <laughs> like somehow yeah. that won't affect you the same as yeah. maybe a crowded work area, right? Like it's, yeah. but and it's that's not the, the same, but it's, it's still, it's still a hurdle, like a major yeah. hurdle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's still, you still require a certain amount of alone and quiet time. Everybody does. And it's not even introvert versus extrovert, I right. think. I think it's also just like I have this moment multiple times a day where even just one of my kids talking to me while I'm trying to have a, my own thought, mm. it almost like hurts. Like it's almost painful because I'm trying to figure something out. Usually it's about like what's going to happen the next day or something. Like yeah. I'm trying to figure out a scheduling thing or I'm trying to respond to an email in my head or just like I'm thinking about something in my own brain. What? And then there's in I know. God. And then there's incoming words hmm? that the person will be truly crushed if I don't immediately engage with. It really <laughs> takes <laughs> such a toll. I mean, it really does. Yeah. And it takes so much energy to go like, okay, I'm going to set aside the thoughts. I'm going to do this later. I'm going to listen to what the kid's saying. I'm going to be there for them. Or to decide, I really have to do this other thing now. And then it's like, I have my own thing. I have my own thing. I have my own thing. Hold on. And then everybody's upset. Yeah. You're interrupted anyway. It's really hard. Really, really hard. And I, I mean, I... I, I don't know that I'm like a full, I don't think I'm an introvert. I don't think I'd be doing this show if I was an introvert. <laughs> but I definitely have that sensation yeah. every day with kids that I'm like, oh, it's just so much coming at me all the time. Like, it's just so much. And it was like that even before the pandemic. But yeah. with everybody being home all the time, there's no break. The end. There's no break. There's no break. Yeah, no, I agree. I Yeah, even... There's no question I am an extrovert. And it, <laughs> what? And I think what I discovered, I valued a great deal once kids got in my house was that quiet, was that space, was that like recharge area. And, you know, add on to that a a need that is so much greater as an introvert for that. It That's a really hard place to be. And you're actually doing a remarkable job of carving out the space wherever you can and acknowledging yeah. it. I, you yeah, know, you I mean, I mean that that's, yeah. it is really hard. It's hard. Yeah. And, and you're doing a very good job and you are completely entitled to feel like, like that that is too much, right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, just ugh. like, it's okay if your kid's making you crazy for a little bit, right? Yeah. We don't have to feel bad for that. And it doesn't mean we don't also love. We we get to be both. Yep. Yay. Hooray. 
and you're doing a good job of being both. Yep. Teresa, you are also doing a good job of being many things. You are multiple things all at once. Don't know I really if you're am. aware of that, but you I are. Am. I'm, I'm multifaceted. You are, <laughs> you are multifaceted. So yes. are you, Biz. Thanks. Thanks, I am. I think you're wonderful, and I appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you, and I can't wait to sneak in as much holiday talk with you over the next couple of weeks during our little time together. The holidays are coming. That's all. Same. But I am going to make you some fudge. (gasps) That's it. Thrilling, yes. as you know. I don't even need to tell you. It's my favorite yeah. thing. So I try not the... to mention it too much because I don't want to pressure you. Yeah, but I'm making Teresa fudge, everybody. Nobody panic. All right? Just make sure it's gluten-free this year. Oh, so <laughs> full of gluten. <laughs> is this is this marshmallow cream or gluten? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, oh, no, Teresa! Oh, we'll have to talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. I'm getting itchy just thinking oh, about the wheat. God. Well, I've done a successful job of saying goodbye to Teresa on this week's show. <laughs> Teresa, I love you. And I love you too. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Oh, saying goodbye to Teresa is always hard, just as it is to say goodbye to wonderful guests. What did we learn today, everybody? Well, we learned that Dear Young Rocker is excellent. It is such a good podcast. It is so helpful for those of us of a certain age to sometimes be reminded of what our what our youth was like. And it is helpful for, I think, everybody in just emphasizing that thing that we emphasize here all the time, which is you're not alone. And I know that as a as a kid, I was really lucky. I had parents who told me, you know, that, that there was nothing I could do that would make them stop loving me. And, you know, I wasn't supposed to be afraid of furniture and that I could do anything I wanted. And like little things like this, like that furniture thing plays like a big, it's, it's a big deal, right? To not, like it, it represents... Overall, this idea of you deserve to be in a space and you can walk through the world without worrying that you're going to get in trouble for everything. And even with all that and even trying to mirror that in my own parenting, still listening and still like listening to Chelsea's podcast and the experiences that she was having and remembering my own experiences... I still, I still worry and I still wonder, am I saying enough? How can I make sure that they know I really will come get them? I really will not yell. I really will say nothing, right? And I guess it's just saying that to them every day, (laughs) constantly over and over. Just so you know, I will always come get you. Do not worry. I will never get mad. You have to tell me. Regardless, I'm constantly going to be freaked out and when my kids are really teens, I don't think it's going to be as funny as I thought it was going to be. 
I just want doors slammed. That's it. I just, I just want to be told to fuck off once or twice and that be it for the day. And then everybody just grows up super well adjusted. <laughs> Not what it's going to be like. We also learned that we are still so thankful for all of you who are out there putting in all the essential work. The pandemic is not only is it is it still here, it is very, very bad. COVID fatigue really throws me off balance when I then also think about what's actually happening now in terms of the pandemic numbers rising and rising. But then I'm so tired. Oh, I don't want to pay attention to that. Like, <laughs> it's such a weird place to be. And it's getting cold. And, and there's just a lot happening. And there are still not a lot of good solutions for our kids and school and therefore for us when it comes to work and how to make those things balance. And we are all still really missing the people that we love and cannot see. And I just want to say you're doing an amazing job because these are not the best of circumstances, right? Like if it was the best of circumstances, you know, having kids in your house, it's still hard. It's really hard. But right now you're doing it, you know, with both hands tied behind your back, you know, on a pogo stick in heels, you know, on pudding. I don't know. Lots of difficult things are happening is what I'm trying to say. And you're fucking amazing. Like you really are doing a remarkable job. And I see you. Let's go out and see each other. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to load down mama blues. I got to load down mama blues. Got to load down mama blues. Load down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer Gabe Mora, our husbands Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.